Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Palmer Kippola. Palmer is an author, speaker, and functional medicine certified health coach who specializes in helping people reverse and prevent autoimmune conditions. She developed a framework called FIGHTS to help others beat autoimmune conditions based on her 26-year battle to overcome multiple sclerosis. Her new Amazon best-selling book released this spring is Beat Autoimmune, The Six Keys to Reverse Your Condition and Reclaim Your Health with a foreword by Mark Hyman, MD. In it, she shares the science, stories, and strategies to help people heal and thrive. Palmer has done coursework with the National Institute of Functional Medicine, the HeartMath Institute, and the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy. In addition, she has studied under leading experts in nutrition, holistic health, energy, and functional medicine. She founded Transcend Autoimmune, a growing Facebook community of people proactively speaking to reverse or prevent autoimmune conditions naturally. You're about to meet my new friend, Palmer. She's going to be talking about some amazing energetic and alternative modalities that helped her heal physically, mentally, and emotionally from a sense of abandonment and MS. It's an interesting story all about the power we have to heal. Here she is. Oh, everybody, you are in for such a treat today because we have Palmer Kippola with us. And, you know, just before I started recording, we were talking, of course, about betrayal and all the different types. We were talking about uh, how we're betrayed by our bodies. We were talking about self-betrayal. And we were also talking about betrayals that happen so early in life that we just don't even remember them. But when we remember and we, we work to heal it just what can happen is just incredible. So uh, Palmer's going to be sharing her story and just so much more. So welcome, Palmer. Thank you so much, Debbie. It is an honor and privilege to be with you. Oh, I'm just so excited for our conversation. So let's get started. And if you would, you know, I always like to sort of, you know, pull back the curtain and, and tell everybody what we were talking about. And and it was interesting because originally we were going to be speaking about um, just sort of, you know, autoimmune uh, betrayals and things like that and how our bodies can betray us. But you shared something that I found so interesting, and I would love it if you shared that with everybody. Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm just so thankful to you for this podcast because I'm learning so much about betrayal from you. And as I was reflecting in preparing for this call, I thought, you know, all of the ways that I might have been betrayed or perceived that I was betrayed. And I think our bodies, mind, spirits, can't maybe distinguish between a perceived betrayal and a real one, especially when we're a baby. So I had to go back in time. I had been adopted. Uh, my birth mother was 14 years old. I am lucky at all to be alive. Mm -hmm. So I just want to make that really clear that I have just enormous gratitude. But as a little teeny tiny baby, um, and I've done some energy work that helped me go back in time to this place. I um, apparently came out and I was a little angry that no one was there. There was no welcoming committee. Mm. There was no, there was nobody to catch me. And I was in the hospital for three days and who knows, you know, how many nurses come by and hold you and so forth. But I just adopted myself this personality of fighter that I'm going to have to take care of myself because the world isn't necessarily safe. Mm -hmm. I had, I carried forward these feelings of abandonment 
just about my whole life until I really came to grips with that and recognized it. And I, I think that's so interesting. And if you could share what, when you say you did some energy work and, and you discovered this, that, you know, the first three days in the hospital, what specifically, what type of energy work did you do to come up with this? Oh my goodness. Well, now you're going to um, take me on a journey. Um, I discovered a modality called body talk. Um, it is magnificent. Are you familiar with it? I've heard about it, but I would love you to share it with everybody. So just, you know, I'm giving you my own perspective. I'm not an expert in this at all, but the idea is you go to a very well-trained practitioner called body talk practitioner, and you lie on a table fully clothed and they have one hand on your body and one hand is doing some muscle testing, the kinesiology which as you know, is mm -hmm. the best lie detector test, mm -hmm. right? So the practitioner, this woman is asking yes, no questions. And, and you know what, Palmer, I'm going to stop you there because for those who aren't familiar with muscle testing, it's so incredible. It's like having your own personal BS meter with you at all times. You can muscle test yourself. You can do it with someone. Uh, I really encourage people to, to learn more about muscle testing because it gives you such an added level of safety and security if something feels uh, uh, if you're unsure about something. And I remember uh, David David Hawkins, he wrote uh, Power Versus Force and Letting Go. And he teaches that specifically. He may have even, in, was he the one who discovered it? Possibly. Or I, that I don't know for sure, but I know he, he talks about it in great depth in, I believe it's Power Versus Force. So, okay. I think you're right. I think you're right. And mm -hmm. I have to tell you that this has been one of the most empowering tools that I've ever learned. And the way I can't do it with, fingers. And that's how a lot of people mm -hmm. teach doing it. And sometimes I find that it's hard to, to fake myself out that way, mm -hmm. but I'm able to um, put something up to my heart. And if I sway forward, that's a yes. And if I go backwards or side to side, that's a no or not yet. So back to my experience with body talk, I'm mm -hmm. laying on the table and this practitioner is doing some muscle testing and she can have discussions with my body and get answers from me without asking the questions out loud. Wow. I mean, just mm -hmm. bypassing all kind of conscious, you know, um, maybe delusion, confusion, whatever our perceived reality is, and just get direct, clear answers from the body. And so she was the one who brought it to my attention that maybe there was something that I needed to do some forgiveness work around in the area of when I was just three days old. And that led us to this exploration that, um, you know, my birth mother wasn't intentionally harming me by having me and giving me up. And no one was really abandoning me, but I had that sense um, that I was all alone. So I did my forgiveness work for the birth mother and my adoptive family. Mm -hmm. And then for myself, for feeling like I'm all alone in this world and I'm going to have to do everything myself. And of course, that you know followed me mm -hmm. into my adulthood. So it's just powerful. Mm. And did she know that you had been adopted and did she know about that experience or did you share that with her or that's what she said on her own? I did not share that with her. And that's what makes this so powerful is that she would ask a question and that's what triggers um, my own or the person's own reflection. And so she had also mentioned, you know, did something happen at age 12 where you really need to forgive your mother? 
And like, bam, all of a sudden I'm there. And I had been dropped off at this camp in Spain and nobody spoke English. And my mom didn't want to drop me off, but she did. She listened to my dad. And I had a lot of fear and another sense of abandonment. I got triggered. So those incidences I had not shared with this woman who did body talk with me. Mm -hmm. And you know what? So, yeah, and it's so interesting. And I want everybody to really understand it sounds, and I know if you're not familiar with this, it sounds so weird and so odd. Like, well, how does somebody just guess that? Or when you say your body's responding, what does that, what does that really look like? And I can tell you from personal experience, I've had muscle testing done on me. And it's so interesting because you could feel so strongly about something. And let's say you're, you're, and the way, the way it was done with me was someone was standing behind me and my arm, they asked me to raise my, my I'm doing it as if you see me, right? So (laughs) raising my arm to shoulder height, you know, out to the side. And then they would ask, then they they would have uh, me state, let's say my name, which is truth, right? So I would say my name and then they would press down my arm and it was strong. And then they would ask me, you know, to, to say a different name, let's say, and my arm would just drop down as if it had no strength at all. And it's so interesting when you actually see it in motion, you, you say, well, how does my body just know these things and respond? How could I have been so strong one minute and absolutely have no strength the next. So it's it's so interesting. I really encourage everybody to look into it a little bit further. And and that's one of those things we find with healing from betrayal too. There are so many different modalities to heal and it's really important to find sort of your own recipe, you know. And it sounds like um like this was one modality that really worked well for you. I'd love to find out more about when you said doing forgiveness work, forgiveness is a huge topic uh, and, and it means different things to everybody. So I would love to know what it looked like for you. So I have done a lot of forgiveness work. I took a course at Stanford, in fact, um, by Fred Luskin, who wrote a book oh, called sure. Forgive, for, Forgive good. for Good. Yeah. Forgive for Good. Mm-hmm. And I just loved that. That was really powerful. And we, we learned about forgiveness as not being... Um, a process whereby you forget what happened or you condone what happened or you even let the other person know that you're doing this work. What you're only doing is freeing up your mental, emotional, and physical energies, right? I mean, the issues get lodged in the tissues. And so you're really freeing up that real estate. So that um, the course itself and his book were very helpful for me to get a basic foundation. But I have found the most powerful, really simple forgiveness prayer is the Ho'oponopono prayer. Are you familiar with that? I am, but I would love you to share it for everybody. All right. Well, it is an ancient Hawaiian prayer. And And I'll stop you. I I won't ask you to spell it. (laughs) Okay. I'm not going to spell it. It's H-O with an apostrophe O. So crazy. (laughs) Yes. And we maybe want to put this in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Um, But the idea is it means make right with someone, Mm -hmm. even if you're not letting them know, right? So you're doing this to free yourself up. So the idea would be that you say four lines and I'll tell you what they are. And I add a fifth line because I want to make it more fair. So Mm -hmm. it goes like this. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. And 
the idea is that you think about somebody who betrayed you or hurt you or in some way, shape or form um, made you angry or, you know, caused you to be resentful and have animosity. So you hold that person in mind and maybe you start with somebody who's not a big scary monster. You start with somebody who cut you off in traffic or, you know, somebody mm -hmm. that you're just a little miffed with. And maybe if it feels good, you put one hand on your heart and one hand on your belly and you say this while thinking about that person. And the way that I have slightly changed it is to add another line, which is, I forgive you too, mm -hmm. so that it becomes like this full closed loop, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it goes mm -hmm. from, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. I forgive you. Thank mm -hmm. you. I love you. And you do this and you may not start out believing <laughs> these mm -hmm. lines because mm -hmm. sometimes they're hard, right? This is hard work and mm -hmm. you may not believe it, but that's why you start with the person who's, you know, the, the mm -hmm. easiest to do. Um, I love that you added that one line because that, that had been my problem with it. I said, well, I, I didn't do anything. So why am I just asking you to forgive me? You know, and right. that was, that was the, the challenge I had. And it's so interesting too, because the, the, the whole, I guess it started, there was a, uh, there was, I believe it was, he was a doctor in Hawaii. I forgot which Island in Hawaii. And there were these patients that just would not heal for whatever reason. And he just silently said this, you know, this mantra over and over and over again. And sure enough, these patients would slowly heal. And this was the reason why everything is energy. Everything. It is. It is. That is so beautiful. And if I remember correctly, his name is Dr. Len. Okay. I don't even remember his last name, mm -hmm. but people should look that up because mm -hmm. it is absolutely fascinating. He was brought in to a hospital for the criminally insane. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he didn't even meet with the people. He just looked at their pictures and went over their biographies and said this prayer silently to himself mm -hmm. and it changed them. Yeah. Powerful. That's so, yeah, it's just so powerful. It's, you know, we, we think, I guess that's it. When we just look at things from our five senses, it's, we just think that's all we have in our grasp, but there's so much more. I mean, here you just talked about two incredibly powerful healing modalities that have nothing in the world to do with anything physical. Right. Yeah. Wow. And yet maybe they do. And yet maybe they do because when we harbor these resentments and regrets and this animosity and anger and everything that we keep on our body, we know that those beliefs can drive our biology, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. And, and let's get to that because I know you had some health challenges. So how did, before you, know, you, you managed to remember uh, that feeling of abandonment and the need to forgive, how did it manifest on you? How did this unhealed betrayal show itself? Mm, so I have to take you back in time a little bit for this one because I was 19 years old. Um, I had just finished my freshman year of college, mm -hmm. home for the summer with my parents, and had this summer job working as a hostess. And one day I, I got up and went off to work and the soles of my feet were all tingling. You know that sensation like you've sat on a limb too long and then mm -hmm. when the blood comes back, it's all tingly. Only this morning the tingling didn't stop. And I thought, oh, it'll just go away. But it didn't. 
and it just crept up my leg like a vine. And by the time it reached my knees, I knew something was really wrong. So I called my mom and dad and they called the family doctor who said, get her to the neurologist at UCLA. Mm -hmm. And within five minutes, she pronounced, I'm 99% certain you have MS, multiple sclerosis. And if I'm right, there's nothing you can do except take medication and you're gonna, you know, you better start preparing for your life in a wheelchair because that is the prognosis. Mm-hmm. It's not good. So we had no idea what this was. We had never heard of it. This was in the mid eighties and mm-hmm. there was no internet available, no Dr. Google. Mm-hmm. And um, that was it. We just left her office with very little information and very little hope. And, um, by nightfall, I crawled into bed. My mom crawled in with me. And by the time we went to sleep, all areas of my body that had been tingling, which was now from the neck down, wow. went completely numb. And my body would stay enshrouded in numbness for a full ab- full six weeks. Wow. So that was the beginning of my journey with relapsing, remitting MS, which I suffered from for 26 years. Oh my gosh. So, so, so you said six weeks you were numb and and then what would happen you you would feel better and then it would come back so that particular summer it was just numb straight up numbness and that's called an exacerbation when you have ms you have flare ups and that was the biggest and worst flare that i had in those 26 years and at the mm-hmm. end of the 6 weeks i was very fortunate that the numbness retreated enough for me to go back to school mm-hmm. but during that time um, there were lots of, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. it was terrifying. We, mm-hmm. we didn't know what to do or what to expect. And uh, we didn't have any guideposts. Um, but I had my dad telling me, honey, you can beat this thing. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, I had a neurologist saying, you know, it's meds or nothing at all. Mm-hmm. And that was the um, conundrum that I was facing. And then we, we believe the white coat. That's just what we do. It's that terrifying force. And we just assume that they know better. So which is which can be very scary and unsettling. So what happened next? So I I spent those 6 weeks on the couch. I was relegated to the couch. I could walk because I had muscle tone, mm-hmm. so I could move. I just couldn't feel my body in space. And so my dad would help me into the living room and I lay on the couch and friends came to visit. I'm so mm-hmm. grateful Debbie that my parents were absolute rocks. And mm-hmm. these are my adoptive mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And um I, we had a family friend come visit one day and um, she gave me a gift and it didn't seem at all like a gift at the time because she asked me a question. She said, Palmer, why do you think you got the MS? Mm-hmm. And oh my goodness, I was completely offended. I had no idea what she was talking about. How dare she? Mm-hmm. But she left and the question just wouldn't leave me alone. I just chewed on that like a dog with a bone and I have to answer that it came to me as a flash of insight. And mm-hmm. this leads me back to the adoptions. I want to tie this all together. Um, so I'm lying on the couch at 19. I've just had this flash of insight. And I realize that I came home adopted by this very loving mom and dad, but mm-hmm. my dad had been a fighter pilot and it, his way was the right way. Mm-hmm. And he yelled a lot and he was verbally abusive. Mm -hmm. And he used to call my mom names and I wouldn't have any of it. And one of my earliest memories is me age three or four. Mm -hmm. My dad's yelling at her mom, my mom who has locked herself in the bedroom. She's Mm -hmm. crying. And I'm standing up to my dad with my little fists up yelling back at him that if he doesn't stop calling my mom names, I'm going to sock his lights out or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, three or four year old says. And I had become 
a child warrior, I realized in that moment that I was hypervigilant. I was always on. Mm -hmm. So my initial hypothesis was that chronic stress was, in fact, the reason for the MS and answered that Mm -hmm. question. And I know that that still rings true for me today, even though I know there's more to the story. But I believe that, and, and there's scientific evidence that proves this, that what happens in childhood does not stay in childhood, mm-hmm. that these adverse childhood experiences, maybe 67% of us, and that's just white middle-class Americans that they've studied, mm-hmm. have had these traumas, as you call them, they can be major, they can be minor, we can perceive it, it could be real, um, it doesn't matter that those mm-hmm. things actually help shape our beliefs and then that drives our behaviors and shapes our biology. So that to me was the perfect setup for the MS to you know, manifest. Right. And I believe you were talking about the ACE study, which I recommend everybody take a look at, right? It, it's, I forgot how many questions there are. Is it 10 questions? It's which, 10 questions okay. about, um, I think it's about... Um, Oh, abuse and neglect. Mm-hmm. So equally important is, you know, what didn't happen for you, people sure. who weren't there for you, people that might have even been incarcerated or alcoholic or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a they're very broad questions, but it's amazing how many we most of us have. Right. And and that's the thing, you know, we we just we wonder why we may react or respond a certain way or why we may have these physical issues and challenges, but so much of it has to do with with childhood experience experiences, unresolved issues, energetic things going on. There's there's just so much. So and and what I love about what you said too, it was that flash of insight. And that's how our soul speaks to us, right? It's in a, a knowing, a flash of insight, a very short sentence. I know with me it's always, you know, it, it could be that or in a in words that I don't usually say. It's not how I would usually say something. And that's how I know it's not me. <laughs> you know, it's how it's interesting. Like, for example, I remember that there was this one moment, and it was after my betrayal, where um, I just felt so completely safe. And that's one thing that's completely destroyed in betrayal, right? It's a sense mm-hmm. of safety, security. Absolutely, we don't feel safe at all. And it's so interesting. I think everybody will really get a kick out of this. So imagine I had such severe arthritis in both feet. From the outside, they looked normal. In the inside, I had worn away all the cartilage. So I had to have surgery in both feet. And I did because, well, judge me or not, but I wanted to wear my heels. <laughs> so I always had a time when I wore heels because even after surgery, I mean, I just couldn't bend my toes normally. And so with heels, it's almost impossible. And uh, I remember it was a day, a day where I wore, uh, let's say, running shoes all day and, and like flats, you know, at night. And I had just the most trusting, peaceful moment with my husband where I felt completely safe. And it was a moment that I absolutely you know, remember. It was crystal clear. The next morning, I woke up with the most terrible pain in both feet as if I were dancing in six-inch heels all night long. So I used tapping. And I don't know if you do tapping, emotional freedom yes. technique. Yep. And I was tapping, and, and this is what I got. All of a sudden, I, I hear and feel your hard stance keeps you in a hard stance. Oh. <gasps> And what, right? And what that meant was my hard stance, mentally and emotionally, not to trust, not to feel safe, kept me in a hard stance, physical and emotional pain. You know, and, and when you catch yourself doing these things, you say, oh, now I get it. <laughs> now I know what I'm working with here. 
Oh, that is so beautiful. Oh my goodness. I just got chills when you said that. It's and and what I what I love about just the different modalities that you were talking about and, and even, you know, EFT if someone feels called to do it. These are ways that you can you can unearth something that may be suppressed that you may not even know it's there, but it's just so it's just so huge. So so get get us back to your healing journey and what happened next. Yeah, I will do an abbreviated version because as I mentioned, it was a 26-year journey and so I am so grateful the numbness retreated enough for me to go back to school for my sophomore year. I did not end up, you know, progressively going down into a wheelchair, but I did my dance of denial at school and for several years and every couple of years I would have really extreme symptoms, mm -hmm. but they would come and go. And on one hand, I saw six neurologists over those 26 years and each one to a person, Debbie said, the only mm -hmm. thing you can do is take medication. And I would ask them again and again, mm -hmm. well, what can I do? What about evening primrose oil? I've heard that's mm -hmm. really good. Or how about omega-3 fatty acids? Or how about vitamin D? And they would say to a person, there's nothing you can do. There's not enough proof that these work. So the best recommendation we have is to not smoke and don't drink too much. Ugh. And that's the best they had to offer. Wow. And we want you to go on medication, which I resisted forever because my intuition was mm, probably going to, for me, create mm -hmm. more harm than good. So mm -hmm. I just avoided that for a very, very, very long time. And on the other shoulder, I'm thinking of these like one mm -hmm. on one shoulder and the other shoulder, I had my dad saying, honey, you can beat this thing. I know you can. So mm -hmm. isn't it interesting that he was kind of the villain of the piece when he was verbally abusing my mom, but he was also highly motivational mm -hmm. and really encouraged me to, you know, that I could do it. He was always telling me I could do it. So I did a number of experiments over the years, mostly thanks to my dad for encouraging me to do that. And mm -hmm. I tried, the first thing was stress reduction because I figured if the thing that got me into this mess was stress, mm -hmm. then I needed to learn how to relax. And I learned that stress happens automatically. There's nothing we need to learn mm -hmm. how to elicit the stress reaction. But in order to heal, and the only place where you can heal is in the relaxation response, mm -hmm. and we have to proactively work at that. And that takes effort and practice. And so that's when I started doing yoga in the late 80s, and I started meditating in the early 90s. And I, as I practiced, I noticed really clearly I had less, fewer symptoms, and I was I going to ask, yeah, what I, kind of symptoms did you <laughs> notice, you know, lessening? Oh my goodness. So I had the gamut of symptoms from what's called Lermite sign. When you bend your neck forward, you get the zap of energy down your spine. Mm -hmm. um, that was something that I felt really, really clearly when I was stressed out, that would happen mm -hmm. more often. And when I was relaxed, I noticed it less often. I mean, mm -hmm. it was very striking to me. Another symptom that happened was I had this feeling of constriction around my torso, like you've got a thousand rubber bands mm -hmm. that are just really like limiting your range of motion, even your lung capacity. Oh, wow. And um, so I noticed that that would lessen when I was more at peace. And there was a really striking moment. I went off to work for corporate America after I graduated from college and one of the most striking examples of stress being related to the MS was going on a super relaxing Caribbean vacation. 
And I had been in, it was a fairly stressful job. I was in a leadership kind of fast track program, hopping around and a lot of expectations on me. And by the way, I hid from people that I had MS. Mm -hmm. So another layer, right? That there's stress on top of it because I'm Mm -hmm. keeping it private. My dad said, don't ever let anybody know you have the MS. They'll think you're weak. Mm. So off I went on this really relaxing vacation. When I came back into the office, I was literally struck blind in one eye. and had searing pain for two weeks that it would take two visits to an emergency room and finally a trip down to Johns Hopkins Medical in Maryland to be Mm -hmm. diagnosed with optic optic neuritis, which is a hallmark symptom of MS. So this was as clear as daylight to me that Mm -hmm. when I was really misaligned and stressed out, I would get symptoms. And when I was peaceful and I practiced and I did deep breathing or whatever Mm -hmm. it was I tried, that I didn't have those symptoms. And and it's such confirmation that those those stress reduction strategies you tried work and that's so nice because when you see something actually making a difference you 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 know you take it to that next level and say okay well what else can it do? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So what else did you do? So I figured that food must have something to do with this but remember we're going back to 1984 here so mm-hmm. there wasn't an internet I just had my intuition in the public library and I found a book in our library called the Swank MS Diet Book, and it purported that low-fat vegetarian was the best Mm -hmm. for MS. So I gave that a try, and not only did I not notice any improvement in MS symptoms, I noticed a worsening of symptoms. I started to have really bad tummy trouble after eating, Mm -hmm. after adding in more whole grains. Mm -hmm. So that was a really clear cause and effect for me too. Um, Taking the meat, fish, chicken out didn't seem to have an impact, but adding those more whole grains had an impact. I was um, in a family where we had pretty much a healthy, I'm using Mm -hmm. air quotes, Mm -hmm. standard American diet where, you know, I'm eating endless bowls of cereal for breakfast in the morning. I'm having peanut butter and jelly sandwiches on whole Mm -hmm. wheat bread. I'm having some form of pasta or bread, whatever for dinner. So I was getting my steady stream of gluten and grains at every meal. And the more I did that, the more I noticed this cause and effect. So that was clear and I, I gave vegetarianism, I tried many for about 10 years, and that just didn't seem to work for me. Mm-hmm. So um, that was number two. And just quickly on number three, um, an especially persistent and stern neurologist at Stanford insisted that I try a medication. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to get into too much detail on this, but I just encourage everybody to do your own research and really understand how these work and what the quote unquote side effects are, because mm-hmm. Those are usually marketing, it's a marketing term by the company who doesn't want you to know that these are actually direct effects of the medication. Um, And I injected myself with a medication for four years and had some really bad unwanted symptoms, including the symptoms of a heart attack about 10 minutes after Um, using it one night. So that was a step too far. Um, That didn't work for me. And stress reduction seemed to be the thing that was working the best. But finally, in 2010, I figured, Debbie, I better go see a nutritionist because this tummy mm-hmm. trouble after eating, I don't know if maybe food, what, something I'm eating is contributing to this. Mm-hmm. Now, remember, this is 26 years yeah. into this process. I found a functional medicine nutritionist. This, And I know your audience knows about functional medicine. Mm-hmm. It's all about getting to the root cause of things. And it's going back to that question that that family friend had asked me, why do I think I got the MS? Well, that's what functional medicine is all about, is getting to the why you mm-hmm. have something. And she ran some tests and lo and behold, I am sensitive to gluten. And it's here not, you were eating yes, it like crazy. So Every day. 
Yeah, it's no wonder why you'd feel better when you got rid of it. So I, I love this. So it sounds like stress reduction was a huge thing. Be very mindful of of the the medications you're taking and the side effects that that they often cause. Trust your intuition. Yes. And nutrition was huge. What do you want to make sure everyone knows as we wrap up? I want to make sure that everybody is gentle and kind with themselves in this process. And that question that 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 really good family friend asked is not accusing you of doing something wrong. It is a gentle question that I invite you to sit with and allow that answer to come up, just like it did for you, Debbie. And you get that clarity around Mm -hmm. your hard stance, keeps you in a hard stance. Well, what was it for me? Um, I had to get really quiet and listen. And sometimes we need a little help in working with somebody who can help us find the answers. And so that's what I want to leave you with. That's wonderful. And at people like you, you know, that's, that's what we need. People you know, look what you've done. Again, this is, this is the best case scenario when we take our biggest challenge and turn it into our greatest gift. And now here you are helping others learn from what you've been able to, uh, to just come up with because of your experience. How do we learn more about you? Where do we go? So my website is palmerkippola.com. And if you uh, want, the biggest question I get from my uh, clients and people who follow me on Facebook is what in the world do I eat if I have an autoimmune condition? So I have created a gift. It's a free download. Uh, It's called Your Optimal Food Guide. It helps you figure out the best foods for you. And so if you go to palmerkippola.com forward slash gift, they can download that. And I also have a wonderful private Facebook group called Transcend Autoimmune for anyone who is proactively seeking to heal and thrive. Oh, wonderful. And we'll have everything in the show notes. Palmer, I want to thank you so much. I know you helped so many people just with what you learned from your journey and and all of the different modalities. and, And you just shared so much with us. And I'm just so grateful. Thank you. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much, Debbie. I loved how Palmer used strategies like stress reduction, nutrition, and even her intuition to help her heal. She also mentioned some powerful processes like muscle testing, body talk, and the Hawaiian mantra, I'm not even going to try and pronounce. Stay in touch with Palmer by going to palmerkippola.com, and we'll have all of her information in the show notes at pbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. By the time something manifests physically, there's been lots going on mentally, emotionally, and energetically. Just as you heard, what I discovered when I did tapping EFT, these modalities get to the root cause, which is where the issues need to be found, addressed, and then fixed. As Palmer said, the issues are in the tissues, and it's so true. And as you know, betrayal leaves lots of lingering symptoms in its wake. Find out what symptoms may be lingering for you by taking the post-betrayal syndrome quiz. You can find it at pbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. And let us support you. Go to Facebook and join our group, Women Hacking Betrayal, where we give information, tools, and support to help you move forward and heal once and for all. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough.